If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with James Freeman and the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament. And this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom and liberty right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio. It is Tuesday, the 28th of November, 2023. A big hello to everybody in the live chat. How are you all doing today? Now, as I stated yesterday, this week could turn out to be a big week in terms of evidencing the harms done by the COVID-19 jabs. What many of us know has already been going on, what we know has been going on. Um, I'm hopeful, although I've had false dawns before, but I'm hopeful that this week could be a momentous week. We know how official mortality statistics have been obfuscated um, to hide the true number of deaths, while data collected by pharmacovigilance databases has largely been ignored. Systems such as VAERS in the US, um, the yellow card system, um, card reporting system here in the UK, and the UDRA vigilance system in the EU. Now, reports to Vigi Access, which represents members of the WHO Programme of International Drug Monitoring, that's the PIDM, this system collates and aggregates data from national pharmacovigilance centers and drug regulatory bodies across 170 countries, including data from the UK, the EU and the US. Now, data from this WHO system is truly alarming. We've known it for a while. It shows that the number of adverse reports submitted for the COVID jab are 30 times higher than the number submitted for any vaccine in history. Um, the next highest one is the polio um, vaccine, which is the second um, highest um, uh, recorded adverse events for any vaccine. But for the COVID vaccine, it is 30 times the number of adverse reports. And not only are the events 30 times higher um, for the COVID jabs compared with any other vaccine in history, not only this, but it is based upon a fewer number of the population getting the jab. According to the statistics from the WHO database, 67% of the world's population has had at least one dose of the COVID jab versus 85% for the polio vaccine. Reporting for most other vaccine pales in comparison in terms of the numbers of reports of adverse events. Even compared to the polio vaccine, they pale in significance. Now, given what this data shows, you would think the agencies responsible for monitoring safety, like the MHRA in the UK, would be alarmed. But isn't it odd that the MHRA can just dismiss this data out of hand. It says that because the data is submitted directly by the public and doctors, it is unreliable, which does beg the question, what is the data even collected for in the first place if it's not to monitor, monitor the prevalence of adverse reactions? 
What is even odder is the fact that governments around the world are also totally ignoring persistently high excess death figures that we're witnessing in all countries around the world that have high uptake rates of the COVID-19 jab. In the UK, the government says a number of factors are likely contributing to excess deaths, including the state of the health service. But the government provides no evidence for this, just speculation. And the same is true of other governments around the world. Why is this? Do they suspect that the jabs might be contributing and don't want to open that can of worms, um, given how the public would react after all of the pressure put on the public to have them and the fact that we weren't told that they weren't tested um, to protect against transmission? Or do you think they know full well? Now, I don't know the answer to that question for sure, but they have access to all the same evidence that we see, right? all of the studies around the world showing harm. And not only that, but they have direct access to NHS health record level data, something that is not available to the public. We only see the aggregated anonymized data. And even then, massive questions have been raised about the quality of that data. Hart here in the UK have done loads of great work highlighting the inconsistencies and problems with data from the Office for National Statistics here in the UK. So what we really need is access to record level data. You know, a database with real people on it that shows how many jabs they've had, when they got those jabs, where they got those jabs, along with any health events after getting the jabs. If we could access this type of data, then we could say for sure if the jabs have been killing people. Well, <laughs> we've got that data. And this Thursday, I'll be welcoming a whistleblower from New Zealand to the Freeman Report, who claims to have that data for the whole population of New Zealand. That's right. He has a copy of the full database of health records for the entire population of New Zealand. Everyone from the Prime Minister down to shop floor workers. The reason he's decided to risk everything, including potential jail time, is because of what the data shows. He claims it shows beyond doubt that the jabs have killed tens of thousands of people in New Zealand. In one example, explain to me, dozens of people got the jab on the same day in the same location, all getting the same batch. Um, and now every single one of those people are dead and they um, are in the dozens. All of them died within a few weeks of each other, according to my source. Now, if this turns out to be true, and I've got absolutely no reason to believe it isn't, um, the sources that I'm speaking to are credible. I know them well. Um, and the whistleblower, well, we'll hear on Thursday who that person is. Um, but all of the information I've got suggests that this is accurate and it's correct. So a big day on Thursday. So make sure you tune in on Thursday and please help us spread the word by telling everybody on social media, you know, to tune in as well. 
Okay, back to today's show, because in a moment, I'll be welcoming um, Kelly Jane Keane to the Freeman Report. I've been chasing Kelly J um, for some time to appear on the show. I've got loads of questions for her, so stay tuned for that in a moment. If you do want to get in touch about any of the topics on the show um, or to suggest a guest, um, then email me, as usual, at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And as always, if you want to join in the conversation, you want to ask me questions, tell me how you don't like my scarf or my jacket, feel free. Um, jump on the chat. Just go to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. You like my scarf, don't you? I took a bit of grief in the um, in the live chat yesterday. They didn't like my scarf. I put on a different colour one today, though. Oh, I do like the scarf. It has the look of an English country gentleman. It's almost a cravat, isn't it? <laughs> I think it looks very nice. <laughs> okay, I, I, yeah, I'm a Welshman, number one. But um, yes, I'll take that. I'll take that. Thank you, Gemma. Right, Gemma, <laughs> what um, story have you got for us today? Well, it's funny you mentioned the Office for National Statistics there in your last uh, editorial, um, because this story has once again come from the Office for National Statistics. And it, it does rather show how uh, rather short memories people have got over the last few years. It's, uh, it's a little bit depressing. I don't think it applies necessarily to people who listen to TNT or people that work for TNT, because I think we've we realized that looking after your health is paramount. But basically, new statistics have come out, and it says that our love affair with the great outdoors, which we developed over the scandemic, um, is seemingly over. 1.1 million, rather, fewer people um, access the outdoors, the great outdoors, the great British countryside in 2022 compared to 2020. It says that visits and walks to outside places are now back to 2019 levels, and 855 million fewer outdoor uh, recreation visits happened in 2022 compared to 2020. It's, it's a downward trend, says the Office for National Statistics. These figures have come out today. Uh, and it says we've basically all come back to being a, a nation of people who who live indoors. Now, the reasons that, that people are giving for not going outside anymore, uh, bad weather, uh, too busy with jobs at home, uh, the physical health not good enough, and busy at work but there is a downs a big downside to this and that is that the the value of the health benefits that are are um spending time in the great outdoors had um that the value of these health benefits that have been lost is the the, in the equivalent that the nhs would have to spend to kind of get the same results so things like you know being outside and walking has been proven to reduce blood pressure being outside and walking or hiking has been obviously proven to um contribute to weight loss so the, the the kind of health hours and the cost of these, uh, the NHS would have to spend a staggering three hundred and ninety million to get the same benefits uh, as as the amount of hours being lost or would have been gained rather spending time out of doors. That's three hundred and fifty six pound per person. Um, so it's like we 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 don't really. The lessons of the last three and a half years for many people haven't really been learned. You're talking about vaccines and vaccine damage and the true cost of having an experimental medical procedure put in your body when really all the tried and tested methods of how to stay healthy, fresh air, exercise, balanced diet, 
don't eat too much, don't consume too much, you know, stay active. They seem to have gone over people's heads and these figures really prove that, that people will still, maybe not now, especially after your show on Thursday with people tuning in for that and realize what's really been going on in terms of vaccine damage. But people are so willing to abdicate responsibility to the needle that, and they, they don't have to then go for the walk or look at their diet or do any of those things. And these figures today certainly bear that out. Now I can definitely hand on heart say that I am not one of these people because as soon as I finish my shift at TNT radio every day, that's it. The hiking boots go on. I'm out on the cliff path because it just... It completely resets you as a human being. And it, the, the the benefits are so quantifiable. Even after half an hour in the fresh air, you do feel better. But then fortunately, the data seems to suggest we're now a nation again of couch potatoes. And should there be another, let's not even use the word pandemic, let's say for what it was, plandemic, scamdemic, uh, will we be uh, so quick to kind of you know, look at our own responsibility for health or will we still go over to big pharma? These figures seem to suggest the latter. Yeah, something has definitely shifted um, over the past three years. I mean, you look, you know, I've got um, friends that have got um, music events um, and um, well, you came across, didn't you, um, to Wales um, and, you know, the numbers of people just going out in general um, haven't recovered um, from before the pandemic. Um, obviously, the cost of living um, uh, issue is a factor here that could be impacting people getting out walking as well because if you live in um, a city for example um, you haven't got access um, you're not as lucky as what you are Gemma um, and what I am where we've got literally the countryside on our doorstep um, but again we come back to I think the lockdowns um, and I think it's you know people form habits don't they and um, I think you know that period people just stopped going out um, they saw places a lot of people we're worried about going out um, to venues, even when we weren't in lockdown. So for lots of people, they literally just stopped going out. And I think that has become a habit um, and people have not just reverted back um, to 2019. So once again, I do think this is probably to do with the lockdowns and all the restrictions over the past few years. Um, it's absolutely scandalous that we've got this COVID inquiry going on in the UK and in other countries around the world. And we still don't have a cost benefit analysis um, on all of this, the social impacts, the, the, the impacts on education, the financial. I mean, you'd think that the government would have published. I mean, clearly they don't want to, do they? Because they know the damage that's been done. But it is criminal that we don't have a cost benefit analysis um, it was criminal at the time that we didn't have that before they continued to use the lockdown method. Um, but I think it really is criminal now that we still don't know. Um, and yet we're discussing things like this. You know, we're discussing the outcomes in education, the fact that kids now um, uh, are more anxious. There's more reports of kids with uh, mental health problems. Um, all of these things have skyrocketed over the past three years. Um, and this is just, for me, another example um, of that, Gemma. Yeah, and the irony is if, if you're suffering mental health problems, no matter what your age, a, a great walk in the outdoors will really you know, help sort your head out. But it seems people just, they don't want to do that anymore. They would do it over the, the, the 2020 because basically they were being 
told to. So the power of the media, the mainstream media, is basically saying, you know, you've got your hour a day. So everyone's like, well, I'll take my hour a day, then I'll take my hour a day, because that's what I'm being told to do. And as soon as they're not taking your hour a day of exercise anymore, you're not being told to, you're not doing it. Um, and these figures are quite sort of depressing reading in a way that people have just stopped going outside at full stop. Um, and and as I say, the, the health benefit hours, the NHS would have to spend the equivalent of 390 million um, on drugs to get the same benefits as going for a walk on a regular basis. And people just have decided not to do it. And it's, it, again, it, I think it's that form of control. Government tells you to go outside for an hour a day, you'll do it. Government stops telling you, you don't do it, even though it's a really good thing for your health and well-being. The other thing that's old about this, isn't it? We heard about, um, you know, lockdown dogs. Um, I think the whole the whole country, um, there was a huge um, surge in um, dog ownership across that period. So, yeah, I'd like to dig in. I will go and have a look at that report because, it, you know, if you've got a dog, you, well, you're, you're pretty irresponsible if you don't take your dog out for a walk. So you'd think there'd be more people out walking every day, um, given the number of um, pets we know were taken on board during the lockdown. So. So, yeah, in interesting data. I'll have a look at that, Gemma, and maybe we can have another discussion about it later this week. Uh, well, I'll just add to that, actually, before we go, before I go, is that I know someone who got a lockdown dog and, uh, and I went around to the house and the dog is absolutely insane because it's clearly never been walked or socialised. <laughs> and there's, I think there's loads of that going on. I feel very, I'm a dog yeah. owner myself. I was like, you're not taking your dog out. Is that, oh, she's all right. I'm like, she's not. She's nuts. You know, so there's a lot of that going on behind closed doors, I think. Yeah. And that, you know, there were loads of problems for people. They just went out and got a pet, you know, because it seemed convenient at the time. Um, you know, now the civil service are being told they've got to go back into the office and lots of other people as well. Um, what what are they going to do with these dogs? You can't just leave a dog at home all day. Anyway, um, we're digressing now. That's a whole other topic. Right. Thank you very much for that, Gemma. And to the rest of you, don't go anywhere, because after this short break, I'll be joined by Kelly J. Keane, a.k.a the Posey Parker. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there. And Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went, I bet you more than 50% didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. Since, since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world. These people are, have been after Israel forever and, and uh, supported by Iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them, uh, you know, basically uh, create chaos in the Middle East, terrorism, and, and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two-in-one attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people kidnapped. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. 
I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be looking at Kelly J in what in a fantastic studio. Hello, Kelly. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I've been following you for quite some time now. I've had lots of um, guests on the show to talk about the topic we're going to talk about today, including Billboard, Chris, and lots of people from the US um, and the UK. But um, I'm absolutely delighted that you'd come on the Freeman Report and talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, now, I have to ask the question. We did talk about it in the break slightly there. You've got a Christmas tree behind you. It's not even December yet, okay. Kelly. Well, look, my family, we've had ours up, including all of our hallways and everything decorated since the beginning of November. So as soon as Halloween was over, my studio transformed into a winter wonderland. <laughs> and it looks fantastic, by the way. Right, um, Kelly, um, what I like to do with my guests um, before we talk about the topic is just to understand them a bit. Um, you especially, I mean, you are a fierce character. You're certainly not scared to put your head above the parapet, which I totally respect. Um, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about you. What kind of your, what was your upbringing like? Did you have any role models? Um, is there anybody kind of that have in, influenced you into becoming the person that you are? Oh, I, I do get asked this often and I feel so awful because I, I don't know whether I do have specific role models. I think I um, was in in awe of Christopher Hitchens, um, you know, somebody who can just speak so eloquently and really damning, you know, just totally finish somebody off, uh, which I truly admired about him. And also adore about Peter Hitchens as well, just as a, a polite etiquette to um, eating somebody uh, for breakfast, which I thoroughly enjoy um but apart from that look I was a little girl that went around with boys um I think I think some of that has carried forward that the ease in which I can say to somebody something that is true but not necessarily nice and I don't mean that I would go out of my way to be mean I just I just think sometimes I would rather speak in one short concise uh meaningful sentence than a whole heap of waffle so I think that little bit, I was I was sort of into going on stage and, and so I'm quite confident. I don't particularly mind attention if it's uh, negative or positive. Uh, none of those things bother me. And I think, um, actually, I think I'm really comfortable in my own skin. And I think that's also something that a lot of women don't like very much. 
uh, they don't like other women that are really comfortable in their own skin because it projects that that they're not. So it's those little things. I've got an older sister. I, I grew up in a working class house, household. I had 21st cousins. Um, you know, what can I say? My cousin's here actually today fixing my kitchen. So, um, yeah, Fantastic. it's is it. Well, it, look, it's a big, robust, working class, proper, accountable childhood, which I think is something that working class do really well. You are pretty much accountable because everyone has to sort of pitch in and there's no there's there's no sort of um, flowery language to pretend that something is or isn't happening. Now, you've been speaking out. I was actually quite surprised because I came across you probably the last 18 months, but you've been speaking out on this issue for, for quite some time now. And I've seen even uh, videos going back as far as 2018. So, you know, half a decade ago. What was what was it that first made you speak out? Was it a deliberate thing that you thought, no, I'm not having this? Or, you know, did it just happen slowly? What 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 actually triggered you in the first place to start speaking out? Well, it was the 2015 election um, and I was on the left. I definitely would have been a Labour voter, had been my whole adult life. Um, and just didn't imagine the Conservatives would have won an outright majority. And so I, like other women, joined this sort of ineffective um, online group uh, called, either called Amazing or Awesome Lefty Women, right? And it was, <laughs> looking back, it was hilarious. But um Suddenly, so I joined when it was about 400, and I think the membership was about 20,000. And it just started getting populated by blokes in dresses, basically men that look like they should be driving trucks for a living, men in their sort of 50s and 60s in makeup that was, you know, they just looked like they'd run into a makeup factory. Um, so it was, um, it was just interesting. And I think more than just those men being allowed to be in that space was the fawning of the women in that space about how brave these men were, how amazing their eye makeup was. And I think at that point, I just thought, oh, something's up. And then when I tried to talk about it in this particular group, I was just met with vitriol and, and um, you know, accusing me of being transphobic, which was something I'd never even heard the term before. Um, and then I learned that actually these men weren't transsexuals at all. They were transvestites, and yet they wanted to have our language, and women were happy to give it. And once I knew I couldn't talk about it, then that's all I wanted to talk about. And fast forward into sort of trying to talk about it in lefty groups and being told. My question was, does my 11-year-old daughter have the right to use a female-only space and not see an adult penis? And the answer was swiftly, no, you're raising a bigot. Your daughter's a transphobe. She must be a pervert. Why is she looking at people's genitals? And then that, you know, that's it. And then you're the, then you're what I would call peak trans, which means that you've got to the very top of the peak of how insane everything is. And there's no really looking back. I guess it's like a female version of a red pill. So would you say then, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent. I've got two young children, 10 and 14. For me, I think this is what makes me have a personal concern about what's going on rather than it just being sort of an, a general interest in terms of from a political point of view. Um, mm. Is So would you say, is that the thing that really sparked you and said, absolutely no way, um, I'm not having this and I'm going to speak out? Well, look, to be honest, when I first realised what was happening, I had no idea that we were transitioning children. I had no idea that it was going on in schools. In fact, my oldest is uh, 21 and my youngest is 15. I've got four children. 
and it wasn't in schools like so when i peaked it wasn't in schools um i know about three years after i peaked somebody one of the dinner ladies at one of my kids schools said oh we're not allowed to use the word boys and girls anymore as a bit like oh that's quite odd um and another woman i knew was running some uh she was sort of the chief nurse for community nursing of the southwest and she was having to rewrite their guidance so that was back in probably 2017. um so i think you go on a fast you go on a fast learning curve as soon as you understand what's going on you then begin to realize and and every time you're like well that, don't be so ridiculous that that's not going to happen they're not going to pretend they're female um and it just gets worse and worse and so um what they are doing in schools is absolutely atrocious i went into a school a couple of weeks ago and recorded the conversation actually for everybody to hear and it was it was uh, teachers lying to parents' faces, um, trying to evade questions, um, knowing that they're in the wrong. So so imagine this. We have the conversation where we sort of, the, the questions go uh, along the lines of, you know, what are you teaching? Uh, what about girls' autonomy? There were no female toilets in this primary school. There were no female toilets. If they went on a residential, there was no automatic right to a girl to have a female-only bedroom on that trip and they wouldn't even have to tell you um they were reading grooming literature to children including something called the red crayon which is about gender mm -hmm. identity wrapped up in crayon nonsense um and all this stuff but but barefaced lying to parents um and at the end of it so i was you know i was relatively strong i wasn't impolite i did ask one of the women to not roll her eyes because i felt it was rude but they um they they just sort of answered like politicians and then at the end of it the parent actually got a letter to say that the staff members are being questioned were visibly shaken and un unable to attend meetings for the rest of the day i mean this is this is teachers who are quite happy to tell children off and force children to lie are then at sort of emotionally unstable and infant-like when challenged so you know, of course, it's personal for most of us, uh, but I think it's not just the kids that are transitioned or so-called transitions, mutilated, lied to, um, and and some, you know, believe that maybe there is a male body waiting for them at the end of their female childhood. Not just those, it's what happens to an entire generation of children that are brought up on the basis that they cannot tell uh, the truth about the things that they see and know to be true in front of them. They have to lie otherwise they risk being punished and i think that's a that's a societal harm that i think will will bear the most dreadful fruit as we as we move along yeah and i've had people on um from the us where it really is a problem you know you're talking about there's a whole industry in some states of children having operations and um, puberty blockers you know all of this stuff but it really is yeah. shocking um some of the guests and what we've heard here right here on the show right kelly we're going to take a quick break now but don't go anywhere i've got loads more questions for you so stay tuned with me james freeman on tnt radio here's what's making news tnt radio news matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines experts are warning we are staring down the barrel of a humanitarian catastrophe in gaza where hundreds of thousands of people are on the brink of famine. Israel has been accused of replacing Palestinians freed from its prisons with fresh detainees captured in the West Bank. And Finland has now threatened to close its entire border with Russia, accusing Moscow of waging hybrid warfare on the country by funneling asylum seekers through its border checkpoints. 
on air, and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, Kelly, one of the questions that always fascinates me is where all of this has come from, because when you look at um, people that are uh, gender dysphoria, um, you know, if you look at the ONS figures, for example, from the last um, census, it's about 0.5%. And there's, you know, question marks even over that number, whether it's been inflated. So we're talking about um, a mon- a very, very marginal group of society who genuinely have this condition. And yet, you know, we can see the trans lobby. It's very, very powerful. There's huge amounts of money behind it. Um, you know, they've managed to lobby, get in there with governments. Um, that, you know, one of the questions that always fascinates me is what's behind all this? Why are we seeing this? If this is such a small marginal group, why is this in the mainstream? What do you think's behind this? Well, there's a number of things, I'm afraid. There's money to be made, so that's always a driving force in anything. Um, there are uh, doctors and uh, medics who fancy themselves as uh, God. Um, there are governments that are very weak. There are campaign groups that need funding um, so that they will, for example, at the moment, if you if you are run a lesbian organisation in a country like South Africa, where there has been corrective rape of lesbians, if you're running a lesbian organization in order to get money from international NGOs, you have to accept that men can also be lesbians. So there's that driving force. There's a lot of do-gooders. There's a lot of incompetent people. Um, and there's there's a hell of a lot of evil. So I think the combination of all of those things, like those teachers in that room, they weren't evil. They weren't profiteering. They weren't, mm. uh, they, they stood nothing to gain apart from social currency, which I think is another issue. Uh, predominantly for women but also for men on the left so uh, less alpha males if you like um also have some of this conditioning although they use nice as a strategy rather than equality um so it's those two teachers they weren't bad people they 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 really weren't they were just weak incompetent and and uh, a little bit stupid so they're they're okay to go along with it and i don't actually think that they should be free from accountability because even if you're you know if you go along with something on the basis that it saves your job but actually it puts kids in danger then I'm afraid uh, there is no free pass for for those people but when you've got an industry creating billions of dollars of money um, even the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in the UK is going to open to do 260 phalloplasties which is fake penises for women a year um, and I think that's on NHS money. So many themes um, and not enough people standing up against it. But it always is still I, I understand everything you're saying there, because one of the things that Bill Bill Chris said, for example, when he was on the show, that you've got all these massive organizations like Stonewall and and really they've become obsolete now because the whole gay rights thing, which which kicked all that off. Um, well, we've got gay marriage now, you know, it's, 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 there's nothing to see here now. There's nothing to do. And yet these organizations are there. Um, and, you know, they need funding, they need, a, um, um, something to do in, in the world. But even, um, taking that into account, there is huge money behind this. Um, do you think there are, um, 
nefarious reasons why we're seeing this happen now and like i said the money flowing into this other than just the fact that there is an industry there now look there's always look power corrupts doesn't it i mean it's an old adage but i'm I'm afraid it's true that that when you get into a particular place of wealth um you think that you have power that well you do have power to change things so if you are persuaded so biden for example joe biden his son uh the one who died was really good friends with um a man who's one of the most rabid trans activists in the united states he's now a, a senator so all you need for to corrupt some of these people is you just need a few sob stories and for them to think it's their next big civil rights action so of, of course there's there's always nefarious people but the most nefarious people will be those men who are obsessed with becoming women um who have billions of dollars um you know they they probably have the most malicious intent and then they can pull certain strings but i i do think there's many forces there's there's people who you know stonewall maybe their their funds did run out and they thought this was the next way of making money and i i think that's what happens when you have charity that becomes big business it's always it's always going to go like that it's you know the, these stories are as old as time it's not like it's a brand new thing that somebody i don't think there's someone sat in an evil lair saying hey how can i fundamentally ruin society but i do think that they maybe don't have enough people around them to tell them that it's exactly what's happening and they don't have anyone with a firm enough no because governments have lost their teeth in so many areas and and corporations large corporations seem to have more of an influence on society than many of us would like yeah now you've you've traveled around the world and i applaud you for for doing this but you've put yourself at great risk um certainly your trip to new zealand and i'm sure that you probably get lots of death threats and all sorts of um issues um with from the trans activists which are very very aggressive what would you say is the the point where you've been most worried um about your personal safety I genuinely did think I was going to lose my life in New Zealand like like not not all maybe but I thought that I I just envisaged myself hitting the floor and never getting back up and that's not necessarily because people genuinely wanted me dead although I do think there were a fair few that did but just the uh the chaos of a mob um can lead to some pretty terrifying outcomes and I, I just thought I was going to hit the floor and never get up so I was quite frightened that whole thing I then had to go into armed protection until I left the country I had an armed escort through the airport um in fact the armed escort stayed at the airport um making sure that nobody else got through the gate until my plane had taken off so I think that was quite scary um but you know that there's there's been many an incident that women have been hurt by trans activists and I think over the last few weeks the way that we've seen policing i think should really make us all worried and i don't care what side of the debate you're on of any of the debates whether you're pro or or against uh, whoever is being treated better or worse by the police but we should all be worried when the police are not uh, treating every single citizen of, of this country in an equal way and i certainly have felt that women who attend my meetings well some of them don't come to the meetings because they're so worried about the trans activists and the trans activists have intimidated women they've threatened women they've made us feel alarmed and distressed and yet 
they were never told to go home. They were never arrested and they certainly have never been told not to come. So I think, you know, that in, in that respect, I'm a little more fearful of this country as a whole over the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, but, but my life is, is um, New Zealand was the place. Yeah, it did look fairly scary. Now, listen, um, I'm going to, I think I know the answer to this question because it's, I've got a follow-up question on it, but have you ever thought about, do you know what? I've got a family. I've, you've said you've got children. This is all getting too much now. Um, I, I really should just knock it on the head. Have you ever seriously considered doing that? No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why as well, because I'm the only person in this space and I include the men and the women. But women, we have a totally different idea about what is going on. We have a totally different perspective. And I'm speaking to women because I am a woman, not speaking for women. I'm, I'm speaking to women in the hope that women speak up for themselves. And there's nobody, there's nobody else uh, that's actually doing that. So I, I don't really have a choice but to give up. But also, um, I frequently say on my podcast, I never lose, and I, and I really don't. And this is not, this is not going to be the time where I find out that I might be wrong about that. And in terms of your, you know, your your approach, it seems like. I mean, it just just from an obs outside observer, that being provocative is part of your strategy. Getting in their faces and the trans activists because they're out there spreading their message and pushing their ideology on us is that something that is deliberate for you to um to actually bring the issue to the forefront or is that just you is that just what kelly J is like well look unlike other activists i don't go marching into the middle of a crowd and hoping i get punched i don't go and try and provoke anybody actually all i do is just try and get women to speak the fact that it's provocative is a is a byproduct and is something I think everybody should understand that women just wanting to gather and speak is considered provocative, which is just nuts uh, that we live in a society in which that is considered provocative. So, you know, I'm I'm really not. I don't. I've been invited before to go and try and talk in pride marches or try. And, I'm I'm not interested in doing that. I'm interested in letting women speak. That's that's simply what I do. Invited before to go and try and talk in pride marches or try. And, I'm I'm not interested in doing that. I'm interested in letting women speak. That's that's simply what I do. Exactly what it says on the tin. Um. So if that is provocative, that is just indicative of where we are. But um. Yeah. It's. I don't try and get in their faces. I go and stand still in a place and they try to come and get in mine. Uh, so it's 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 an interesting difference that sometimes people don't quite understand. But there is a difference between me saying, look, I'm going to go in as my legal right. I'm going to go and stand in this place and I'm going to have I mean, I've got to have at least two close protection bodyguards everywhere I go. Uh, because my life is is permanently sort of under threat and, and of assault or if not worse so um i say i'm going to go and talk here i invite other women to come and talk and then the trans activists behave as they behave but it it's it can't be considered provocative uh just for going to do that even though they are provoked that's a very different thing than saying hey there's a group of trans activists meeting I'm going to go over there and I'm going to provoke them into a confrontation so I can show everyone on the internet what bad people they are because that, I'm not interested in doing that. I'm not interested in, there are other groups that, that are quite happy to put women's lives at risk 
I'm not happy to do that. Uh, we always get security. We always have really good plans uh, for women's safety. I'm not, and I also never attend anywhere without ensuring that the police are actually in attendance. Now, New Zealand was different because they were in attendance. I just didn't realize they weren't actually in attendance in the right place. So it's a really subtle difference, but it's a very important one. Yeah, and I was thinking more. And listen, I'm not. I'm not attacking you here. I, I applaud <laughs> everything that you're doing, Kelly. Um, but I, I was thinking more of the billboards. Um, obviously, you know. And again, I think you're probably going to argue the same thing because you put build. You paid for billboards to go up in Liverpool, didn't you? That had um, woman, and it had the definition, the dictionary definition of a woman. Um, some people, I guess, would say that that's provocative. It's trying to sort of get out in people's faces. What would mm. you say to that? Because in the end, they had to be taken well, that, down, didn't they? <laughs> well, that of course, yeah, look, that was provocative. What that was supposed to do, what I thought in my, you know, that was back in 2018. I thought, I'm going to put this billboard up. Trans activists are going to go nuts. And everyone else is going to go, oh, my God, why are they going nuts? Oh, job done. Oh, my goodness, that woman is right. We can't even talk about what a woman is. Isn't she marvellous? Um, game over. Well, of course, they're not women. I thought that was kind of, <laughs> I was so naive. I thought that was that was going to be the thing. <laughs> and it wasn't, but it was supposed to provoke the unreasonable into an unreasonable position, into sort of revealing their unreasonable position. So that was provocative. But, you know, it, but the other thing is, I don't think is provocative. I know it will provoke, but I don't think it in itself is a provocative act. However, I the the main reason to put I did the I Heart JK Rowling uh, billboards up in uh, Waverley Station in Edinburgh, and I did the dictionary definition of the word woman in Liverpool, and they were they were supposed to generate response. And you know, like I said, I applaud you for that because I think one of the problems with this whole topic is many women and men actually avoid it like the play because they can see the vitriol and and you know and 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 all of the hate that seems to, to to be focused around this whole debate and so people avoid it so no well done you for doing that and you know for stimulating that debate right we're going to take a quick break now um kelly and when we come back i'd love to hear about the political party um that you've set up obviously i'm a former politician i was an mep and i'm really really interested to hear what the party's about, what your policies are, if men can stand, um, and and all of the rest of it. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, Donald Trump took to Truth Social to spell out why he believes it's imperative that voters pull the lever for him over Joe Biden in a little less than a year from now. The stakes in this election could not be higher. Next November, you have a choice between war, poverty, and weakness under crooked Joe Biden, or peace, prosperity, and strength under President Donald J. Trump. Just three years ago, our economy was booming, the world was safe, and America was strong. And now? Under crooked Joe Biden, the economy is in a shambles, and the world is going up in flames. Real incomes have gone down by $7,400 per family under crooked Joe. Gas prices are four, five, six, and seven dollars a gallon. Cumulative inflation is nearly 20%, and mortgage rates are pushing a brutal 
and you can't get the money. And that's not the worst part. We have war in Europe, we have wars in the Middle East, and we are stumbling into World War III. That's what's going to happen with this leadership, because they don't know what they're doing. The contrast could not be more stark. And all of what you just heard couldn't be more true. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio Vision. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. (laughs) You got this. You are there for them. We are here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org slash caregiver. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right now, Kelly, um, you gave the answer I expected. You know, have you ever considered stopping? I don't think you are. You are definitely fierce. You've got loads of courage. And you've now set up a political party. Tell us all about that. Well, what we've noticed is there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of women asking politicians to help. And they've been the conservatives who are like the closest, they've they've been in charge for the last uh goodness knows how long, eight years, and they've they've just watched over this ideology take hold of all of our institutions. So I just thought, well, what can we do? And and I've what I've done with Let Women Speak is I've raised awareness and I've created enough stories now that the public is fully aware of what's going on. And I think I've played no small part in that. Uh, So the next logical step is actually to take power. And it's not just about members of parliament, actually. It's where the the really direct power is, which is in local councils. So I think uh, if we look at any sort of movement that has managed to change the landscape, uh, they are going for local councils. So, for example, when um, somebody's deciding on whether or not they're going to build gender-neutral unisex toilets in the town centre with a new toilet block or the the local theatre, whether it's going to have male and female toilets or going to switch to unisex, which actually are really unsafe for women, then I want a woman to be involved in that conversation. You know, a member of party of women to be involved in that conversation. I want people who are prepared to say, hang on a minute, what on earth are you doing? Um, And we want the PCCs, we want any elected uh, sort of government position, local or national. These are the sort of places we're going for. Um, And it's just, it's just, I just want someone in that conversation who is the more abrasive kind of woman at the school gates, which is like, what are you talking about? Why would you do that? Like, what about the women? Like, why the elderly women don't want a bloke in their home? to come and do intimate care or, um, you know, elderly women don't want to share their hospital wards. So different people in positions like that, like one of the things we do at Let Women Speak is we advocate for women. So we go along and accompany women on hospital visits or um, housing sort of association meetings or school meetings where they want to have somebody next to them so they have the courage to demand the rights that they know that they should have when it comes to single sex. Provisions. 
Now, I, I definitely do think I agree with you that we do need some strong voices in our political system, in local government and in national government, because I just find it really odd that we've ended up in the situation we are where um, people are actually pretending that men can be women. And we've got, you know, men in women's sports, men in women's spaces. I find it incredible that we've managed to get this far where it seems to have spread throughout our society. But I guess my question for you is that for most people, though, um, the majority of people, this is a um, maybe a number five, a number four issue. Obviously, the economy is always a big issue um, um, in politics and there are other issues as well. What what other policies, or are you just going to be a party that stands on these issues? Have you got any other policies that you'll be standing behind? Well, look, as a woman in this country, every single thing is related to my sex, right? So if we look at economy, we know that, that poverty and certain policies impact men and women differently. Um, Female-centered uh, groups or feminist groups would say that women are adversely, more adversely affected I would definitely not stand on a policy of like women have it worse, but I would definitely like to understand how men and women are are impacted on a different level. So when it comes to policing, for example, many women more than men have been um, interviewed by the police uh, on this particular issue. I think, um, you know, being female and having a sex-based recognition uh, is important in every aspect of society. And what's really interesting for women is that when we look at any other civil rights, uh, not women's rights, but if we look at any other rights, like the fact that people marched for uh, the BLM was because it impacted black men as well as black women. If it was just black women, if we wanted to talk about the worst impact of what happens to women in America, black women in America, we'd be talking about domestic violence. We wouldn't be talking about the racist society. We'd be talking about the fact that they are three times as likely as a white woman to be killed in their own home. So when it comes to any other sort of fight for rights, women don't fight for themselves very often. They're quite happy to fight for other rights, which include men, which, you know, it's fair enough because we're we're part of the human race. Right. But I think being female and actually when it comes to schools, I think a lot of people will fight for their children. And I think about four fifths of the population are parents. So I think a lot of people will care when they understand that this is just the tip of the iceberg. These, this pronoun stuff is simply the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what's happening in schools. But yeah, we have policies in other areas, but this is our main thing. We're not, I'm not hoping to be prime minister tomorrow or next week, you know, maybe, maybe a decade, uh, but I'm not hoping to be prime minister next week. Um, this is about unifying women and having a unifying voice on some single issues. Think of us a little bit like UKIP. You know, we left the European Union on the basis of one man almost, on the basis of Nigel Farage, because he stuck to one issue and he wasn't sidetracked. And I, I really think that that um, anyone in any political realm uh, needs to take all the good lessons from, from the things that he did. Well, Again, I applaud you for doing this. And um, are you going to have men standing in the party as well? Of course, as a party trying to get registered in this country, we will invite anybody to stand. It just has to be the best candidate. Just has to be someone speaking uh, our language, really, which is very, very <laughs> truthful and tight. 
Um, so yeah, it would be men or women. Fantastic. Well, listen, um, Kelly J, we have sadly run out of time. Thank you so much for coming um, on the Freeman Report with me today. Where do people that are interested, um, very, very quickly, we've got about 20 seconds, where do people okay. go to hear um, um, what you're up to? So letwomenspeak.org or you can find me on YouTube, Kelly J Keen. Fantastic. And I definitely recommend Turf Talk as well, which you can find on all leading um, uh, video streaming platforms. Kelly J, thank you so much. Um, you'll have to come back on the Hi. show again and tell me all about your political fight that you're um, up for now. Right. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere. Stick with us right here on today's News Talk TNT Radio.